0: Welcome to The Rational Egoist. I'm your host, Michael Leibowitz. So I like to talk a lot about the philosophy of Ayn Rand, which is objectivism. Um, Today, we're going to talk about a particular aspect of it, and that is moral sanction, is when we should grant our sanction to other people. And here to discuss that today is someone who's written on the subject, talked on the subject. He's a former chairman of the board and a current senior fellow at the Ayn Rand Institute, He's authored authored numerous articles and books, including In Defense of Selfishness, Why the Code of self sacrifice is Unjust and Destructive. Mr. Peter Schwartz, welcome to the show. Thank you, Michael. Okay, so before we can decide whether we should grant our sanction to a given person or a given activity, we first have to know whether that activity or that person is moral or immoral. So what is the criteria that you, or what are the criteria rather that you would use to assess whether somebody is moral, immoral, or perhaps just mistaken, or, you you know, maybe they're just wrong for, they just don't have the right information. How do you decide that?
1: Well, let's first uh, make sure we're not just talking about floating abstractions here.
0: Okay. So when we talk
1: about oh, excuse me, when we talk about the moral sanction, we talk about uh, assessing whether something is moral or immoral and whether you should deal with it. Let's bring that down to reality. The the What it means to be moral means life-serving. It means you are concerned with your existence, you're concerned with your life, you're concerned with How do you best sustain your life? How do you achieve your goals? How do you gain your values? And there are certain moral principles by which that's done. You can't just live on the spur of the moment. You can't just do whatever you feel like doing. There needs to be some kind of moral guidance, some kind of moral code. And that code, the code that I subscribe to, and the code that I think does, in fact, lead to sustaining life and achieving happiness is Ayn Rand's uh, philosophy of objectivism. Now, the morality according to that code is basically this. If you choose to live, there's one thing you have to be committed to. You have to be committed to using your mind to grasp reality. There's a world out there the world places certain demands on you, places certain demands in terms of your biological needs and in terms of your longer range moral and your need for moral principles. If you wish to live, you have to be willing to exercise your your mind, which is up to you. People can choose to do it or not to. do. You can choose to think or not to think. You can choose to use your mind or evade, be honest or dishonest. So the basic code of morality is be honest, which means be rational. Acknowledge facts for what they are, including facts about people, and deal with it accordingly. Obviously, if that's the view of morality you hold, then you understand that proving of something or somebody who is moral benefits you, And disapproving or refusing to deal with someone or criticizing or condemning someone who is immoral is in your rational self-interest. So that's the basis of the whole idea of whether you should or should not sanction some person or some action. Okay, so now you ask what are the... (coughs) Excuse me. I'm just getting over a cold. You'll have to forgive me a little
0: bit it's okay
1: so now you ask what are the criteria essentially it's 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 the criterion that's at the basis of a proper morality rationality if if you're can make mistakes we're not omniscient we're not infallible therefore you need to determine whether the person let's say you're dealing with who does something you disagree with is doing it through an honest mistake, through an innocent error, or he's doing it through willful irrationality, willful dishonesty, willful evasion. If it's the latter, then you want to dissociate yourself from that person because that person is inimical to your life and your interests, and you want the world to know that. So that's basically the criteria for determining whether you're going to deal with someone In terms of sanctioning and approving him or not.
0: Okay, so what does sanction mean? Like to lend your sanction to somebody.
1: Sanctioning.
0: And if you could give us give us some like concrete examples. Sure, I'll give you some
1: examples. Sure. Sanctioning simply means approving, condoning, agreeing with. Morally sanctioning someone means you're saying yes. This person is basically on my side. This person is going to be helpful to my life because I think he's an honest, independent, rational person, as against some killer who is not simply making an honest mistake. And therefore, I want to dissociate myself from him. I want to criticize. I want to condemn him. I want to to ostracize him. So, excuse me. Um, for example, um, if someone asks you, now we're just talking about moral sanctions here. There are other forms of sanctions, but basically we're talking about moral sanctions. If someone asks you, do you want to engage in a debate? Let's. We have a topic here. We'd like you to debate, and the topic is, let's say, um, was Hitler justified in trying to exterminate the Jews? Let's have an open, rational debate about that. Now, that would be ridiculous. If you agree to such a debate, you are sanctioning the other side. You're you're conceding the fact, you're conceding the premise that there may indeed be something reasonable about wanting to exterminate all the Jews. And we'll debate the pros and cons, and we'll have a lively exchange of arguments and you know, may the better man win. Now that is sanctioning evil. It's sanctioning something that is clearly counter to your own interests. And you don't want to grant the any moral respectability to a position or a person who is blatantly irrational. I'll give you another example. Um, some years ago, uh, around 1990, I think it was um Iran, which is a totalitarian country, it's a theocratic state uh it it permits virtually no dissent um it executes people who uh, they call heretics people who question the validity of of uh, Islam and so forth. So here you've got this country and they decided. Strangely enough, to hold a book fair, which is an exhibit where publishers come and they show their books and there's a free exchange of ideas. Now, what could be more bizarre, more contradictory than to hold that kind of intellectual exchange, a book fair in a country that bans, and that censors ideas that are not consistent with Islam? Yet, there were Western publishers who willingly participated in this book fair. They went there, they displayed their books, they, they talked with the uh, people in Iran, they, 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 they spoke about exchanging their products and so forth. That again, now again, this is a country, remember, which had uh, put out a, 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 a bounty on the assassination of Salman Rushdie, because he published the uh, Satanic Verses, which was blasphemy. And the Ayatollah then of Iran declared he must be killed. We can't allow a book that criticizes or ridicules Islam and Mohammed. We can't allow such a thing to exist. And people were murdered uh, on the basis of this uh, edict, this fatwa. Uh, Bookstores in the West were firebombed, people were injured, yet you have Western publishers willingly participating in a book fair with Iran. That is a moral sanction. That is a clear example of sanctioning evil, when clear, and it's clear why it's self-destructive.
0: Okay, there's so much I want to ask you about, if, but first, so... The, an act is ethical in my view and I, and i think to yours to the degree that it promotes my life now i mean not it's not it's not ethical for you to act to promote my life i mean if i'm gauging from my first person perspective i need to look as what is going to rationally promote my life over the long term right so on this podcast that i host it does that in my view in two ways. One, I get to promote the type of philosophy and the type of political views that I support, because I think that by promoting that, if I can further those issues, it creates a better world for me to live in. Secondly, it also hopefully will end up being a source of income for me where I can maintain myself. And also I enjoy it. Now, I'll have people on the show and I have had people on the show that disagree with me vehemently. I have them on to debate with them because I'm very, very confident in my ability to in in the correctness of my views that I can defeat win those debates. So if somebody is watching that is on the fence or doesn't know a lot about the issues, they can see in real time the difference is, And I believe would be convinced if assuming that the person is thinking rationally that my position is the correct one. Would you say that that case, if I'm debating somebody would be to sanction evil? Now I would not have on some, let me just be clear that would say something as ridiculous as, you, you know, Hitler was right to kill the Jews. I have had on People that claim to be, say, democratic socialists. Now, I the problem is, is that there's degrees of evil. I mean, there's mi- and, there, and there's mixed cases of people. So, at what point does it become the sectioning of evil and crossover from actually benefiting me? Because the whole purpose of ethics is for me to be happy and to live a prosperous life. Sure
1: the the, the question. You have to answer is, is there some possible honest basis for people believing in this view? So you say you wouldn't have somebody on your show who wants to defend Hitler. You wouldn't have Hitler on your show. Because it's ridiculous to say, well, there are people who think Hitler is right, and I'm going to rationally show by my debating skills why they're wrong. That there is no rational basis. there There are certain things which are simply almost self-evidently crazy and irrational. And to even grant it moral respectability is to undercut your own values. Now, I don't think it's it's um wrong to have a debate with a democratic socialist. Um, there are many wrong views that you want to debate because, Obviously, you're not just going to talk to yourself. You want to make the world a better place. But the way you're making the world a better place is by grabbing onto the rational elements uh, that people hold and show by reasoned argument that this is not rational or this is not. Let's let's not put it that way. So that you're mistaken. You think. Um, democratic socialism is good. You think capitalism is wrong. I'm going to show you why capitalism is right. I'm going to show you why capitalism is moral and why it's the only moral system. And you can do that. Um, But when you're getting to a situation or a view that has no conceivable rational basis, like Hitler, or like, let's say, you wouldn't have on your show um, you know, the Ayatollah of Iran, come on and and argue, uh, should Salman Rushdie be killed? Should people who don't believe in Islam be stoned to death or not? You wouldn't have that debate because that grants a respectability that it doesn't deserve and it undercuts your own life. So the criterion is simply, is there some conceivable, Validities. there's some honest error that is going on here that you can then show and um, they're open to it or at least their followers are open to it and you'd serve the purpose then of actually reaching rational minds.
0: I think that you have just clarified something for me that I've been confused about for a very long time and I want to just make sure that, that I'm, I'm clarified on it. So in the case of a, a Hitler... I don't think there's a human being on the planet that has a rational bone in his body or her body that would conclude that there's any case to be made for Hitler's position, right? I, I just don't think so. And I don't think that anybody could ever think that there'd be a case to kill people for writing books as the the Salman Rushdie case tells. I do think that right now there may be 18, 19, 20 year old kids who've been attracted by the lore of socialism who sure. may be open to altering their minds with that said it doesn't necessarily matter then if i think the person that i'm debating is open to rational argument what matters is if i think that there's somebody out there who could hold their view honestly and might be open to being persuaded
1: well see that depends i wouldn't put it categorically that way it depends if the person is representing an organization so um um, take libertarianism, for example, and I'm a, a very big opponent of libertarianism um because it, and to clarify that, I mean the real libertarian organizations that uh claim to be for something they call liberty uh and allow inside their this big tent this big umbrella that they have anybody who calls himself an advocate of liberty. So if you're a Palestinian terrorist and you say you're for liberty, that's fine. Uh, if you believe in child molestation, you say, well, that's liberty. That's fine. There, People are um, included in this libertarian umbrella because the libertarian idea is that it does not matter why you believe in Liberty. as long as you say you believe in liberty, you're an ally. And therefore they include anarchists, which is the the, the worst political element of their position. So I would never um, debate the, um, let's say the president of the Libertarian party because his organization stands for something that is latently irrational. And I won't grant him the moral respectability of a debate. Now, this is crucial. Let me just digress for a second here, and I'll come back to the question you raised. This is why it's so important to be firm on the issue of moral sanctions. It's because your willingness to debate somebody, let's say, means you're granting a certain premise. And the premise is there is a certain respectability to this position. You're saying, I won't debate Hitler because he's beyond beyond the pale. But I will debate this guy because he's not beyond appeal. So you're granting by the very decision to engage in rational discussion, you're granting the premise that rational discussion is possible. Now, as I said, I would not do it with the uh, representative of a a libertarian organization. Uh, I wouldn't do it with the Ayatollah of of, uh, Iran. Um, But I would debate or, or argue with people, especially young people, young 18, 19, 20-year-olds, who don't understand what's wrong with libertarianism. And I, in fact, wrote a whole article about it. It was aimed at those people. It wasn't aimed at people who already agreed with me. But I, you can engage in a discussion that way. But uh, you, you want to be careful not to grant your imprimatur, because that you are important. You're a mind. I don't mean you specifically. I Mm -hmm. mean anybody, any rational person. You value your life. You value your mind. You're, by the very fact that you're agreeing to engage in certain intellectual intercourse with somebody, you are giving him something of value that you possess, and you want to be sure that you're, you're not doing it in a way that only undercuts your own values and your life. So, to answer you, this is a roundabout way, to answer your question, yes, I think it's perfectly okay to engage in discussions with people who have mistaken views about, honestly mistaken views about a really bad idea or philosophy, which is different from engaging in a debate with the representative, the official representative of that philosophy, like the Pope. i want to engage in a debate with the Pope But I would engage in people with in in a conversation or debate with people about religion. Now again, you you have to be very clear. I wouldn't engage in a debate if the topic is um, is faith superior to reason. That is not open to debate because how are you going to debate that except by means of reason? So you can't debate that. That is not open for for rational discussion. But I would debate, you know, uh, uh, people. Uh, are there arguments for God's existence? Um, are there any limitations to reason? You know, all of these things are subjects, proper subjects for a rational discussion, because there's an, there there can be honest errors in this. Again, particularly among younger people, and why not try to reach them?
0: See, here's my concern, and in, in in principle, I agree. I, I let me just say that off the outset, I agree with you on the principle of sanction. Where I find myself having difficulty are in uh, concrete cases, and, and here's why. You gave an example, say, of the president and the Libertarian Party, the, so, or the, whatever, the chairperson. So let's say that's uh, – I don't know who it could possibly be. Uh, whatever. John Hospers. Let's we'll say it's John Hospers. He's long dead. So John Hospers is, is the chairperson. I think John Hospers is not only wrong, but I think he's dishonest, let's say, and I think his arguments are way off. But again, my morality has to be judged based on what's in my interest to do my, my best interest, my principled interest. So if you've got a bunch of guys following John Hospers that are convinced by John Hospers arguments, and I know that I can expose John Hospers, but I can't do it. I I can write on the side, let's say, but that's not going to have the same power and it's not going to have the the, sort of the same uh, persuasive effect, but by Engaging him face to face, stating explicitly that I disagree with him, exposing his arguments uh, for the flaws that they have, and then convince others, it seems to me that that would be in my interest to do. And I don't see it as lending him sanction because I'm saying off the bat, I think he's wrong.
1: Well, here's the problem with that. When you say he's wrong off the bat, what does that mean it means that, let's take him as an example. I, I I don't know if he actually would endorse all the libertarian views. So let's just say John Doe, okay? Okay. So John Doe is the, the head of the Libertarian Party. And John Doe, as the head of the Libertarian Party, endorses positions such as, um, as I said, um, um, pedophilia is... Yes. Uh, consistent with liberty. Um... The Palestinian terrorists who blow up school buses with children in them, they are they are pursuing liberty. Um, um, I can't even think of all the bizarre positions libertarians. Well, anarchists. Anarchists who, if they ever came into power, would be a hundred times more destructive than communism or fascism. Anarchists are allies of liberty. So that's his viewpoint, right? So you're yeah. saying, you, you, Mr. John Doe, you believe all these crazy, irrational things. I'm going to debate with you. And you saying, well, I'm doing it because I know you're crazy, but some <laughs> of your followers aren't crazy. Yes. Now, the point is that if somebody is so irrational, particularly in, with talking about an organization, your position is not just that they're wrong, but that they shouldn't be sanctioned, that they shouldn't, <coughs> you should not be, you should not help them in pretending that they do have some element of rationality. Now, how do you convey that view? How do you convey to the public the view that one should not help them pretend that they have some scintilla of rationality in their position? By treating them as completely irrational, by ostracizing them. By saying, I will have nothing to do with you, just as I will have nothing to do with Hitler. By doing the opposite, by saying, okay, you're simply irrational, but let's have a rational discussion, you're undermining your position. Now, I understand what you're saying. You want to reach his followers who are just maybe honestly mistaken, but there are other ways of reaching them. There are other ways of reaching them without contradicting your view that This type of person should be ostracized, not engaged in intellectual intercourse with.
0: Okay. So my next question about this is, how do I put this? How does it harm me or you or anybody to do such a thing? What would be the negative impact on my life? So I understand. Okay. So if I debate this guy, it, I don't. I still don't see it as sanction. But I get you. I get your point. So, how would it harm me to do so? And I and by okay. me, I mean harm the things I believe in, harm my philosophy. Not just you know me in the short term. I'm taking the, the, okay. the long range. So,
1: day. what would you say if I asked you about one of the examples? Okay, let's say you're a book publisher, and the yeah. Ayatollah Iran invites you to come to their book fair in Tehran and display your books, how does that harm you if you do it? Why wouldn't you say, well, look, we know the Ayatollah is crazy, but maybe there, there'll be people in Iran who read my books, maybe they'll read something I wrote, they'll read Ayn Rand, they'll get a new... Why wh- how did, Why wouldn't you ar- make that same argument?
0: For a few reasons. I, I would say, for one, if I if I'm going there, to do so, I'm putting myself at risk because I'm in a very dangerous country. And well, let's in, in say you America. just send your books there. Okay, if I just send my books there, I'm risking misrepresentation. I'm risking them claiming that I endorse them when I don't. I would say that the audience. Now, wait, and wait, our... wait. Mm-hmm.
1: But why would they say that? All you did was send books there. Well, all right. If you think, but you're right. You you were exactly right. You're. It's because you are dealing with someone that you shouldn't be dealing with, that people will draw certain implications that are ultimately going to be harmful to you. Now, if you debate this John Doe, who's the head of the Libertarian Party, people will say, well, you know, Peter Schwartz says these are terrible people and you shouldn't deal with them. You should ostracize them. But Michael Leibowitz obviously doesn't think that. He thinks they're not so bad. He disagrees with them, but they're not so bad. They're like you know, Democrats versus Republicans. So maybe I should have dealings with the Libertarian Party. I I agree with some of their positions, after all. They're against a lot of government regulations that I'm against. So why don't I deal with them? I disagree with them about the anarchist part, but I agree with them on other things. So I'll deal with them. Michael Leibowitz, whom I admire, deals with them. That's how it undermines you, the same Mm -hmm. way that the book fair undermines you.
0: Okay, one more question about this, and then I'll move to to the next thing. The difference as I see it between the two examples you just gave with the book fair and with the debating is this. If I'm debating somebody in this split screen like I have right now, I can clearly state my position. I can say what it is, and and the people that listen to the show generally know what my beliefs are, so they're not going to mistake and think that I'm for advocating pedophilia or anarchy or the, the things that you've talked about but if my books are over in Iran i don't have that same opportunity the people over there don't know me they're not hearing my voice i can't explain my position okay how
1: about this how about if you send your books there and they allow you to put up a placard next to the books stating your position you you disagree mm-hmm. completely with the uh, regime in iran you disagree with their uh, attempt to censor books. You disagree with their uh, fatwa on Salman Rushdie. Somehow they allowed me to display my books and convey my opinion, and I'm doing it. Even then, no matter how explicitly you state your views, you are helping them in some way. You're 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 giving them uh, a a, um, a a sanction. You're giving them a a, a form of approval that they're not entitled to. in the same way that John Doe, the head of the Libertarian Party, comes on your show, mm-hmm. you're giving him exposure and a platform that he's not entitled to. He's not morally entitled to because he deserves to be silenced. I, I don't mean censored. I mean, he deserves to be um, pepped from any valid platform because of the irrational, the irrationality that he represents. So no matter how, how much you 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 say, you're allowed, you're going to be able on your show to state your view, the sheer fact that you're having this guy on and that you're engaged in a debate with him, you're not having a show. Why you're not having a show with a dummy, uh, you know, a, a dummy representing libertarianism and, and arguing against him. You are against the real person and offering him a platform to present his views, and you're trying to refute them. So you're saying his views are worthy of a debate, mm-hmm. and that's undermining your position, just like sending the books to Iran would be.
0: Okay, I, uh, I, don't
1: know how, I, I can't say it in any. any no, no, no,
0: no, no, no. It's good. It's. it's it, I'm. I'm very happy to get to get your take on this. Um, justice. It seems to yes. me that that this topic is knee deep in the idea of justice, justice being granting people or giving people that which they deserve, whether it be good or evil. And also, no, nah, I shouldn't have said evil, what, whether it be reward or punishment would have been a better way to put it. Part of justice is the forgiveness of wrongdoing, and this is very personal to me because if if Ethics has to do with what's in a person's own interest to do, then it's in my interest to deal with people that are good. So in my case, and then I I want to extend it out. In my case, I've done horrible things in my life. I paid dearly for them. I spent 25 years of my life in a cage. I worked very, very, very hard to amend my character. I know now that somebody dealing with me is going to get a bonus, not a bonus, a benefit for dealing with me. It's in a person's interest to deal with me because now I'm honest. I'm just, I'm, I'm rational. I'm straightforward, right? If I disagree, I don't pretend agreement when I don't, I might be wrong, but I, I'm still going to put forth what my mind's telling me is true. So I think that justice does entail forgiveness, especially in light that it's for somebody's best interest. So recently, a friend of mine who I I did time with, who has put in the same amount of effort, he's done the same things I know because he was my cellmate for 11 years to reform himself. And I asked the question on Facebook, should this person be forgiven? And a lot of people, I'm not gonna say they're objectivists because I don't know, but they claim the mantle. And their judgment seemed to be to me, not one of, I don't think this individual should be forgiven because it would harm me. It's not in my interest to forgive him. But what they were saying was basically intrinsicism. They were saying, no, what he did was horrible. He never deserves to be forgiven. And that to me is a big Philosophical error, because objectivism is just that. It's not intrinsicism. It's not saying condemn this for the sake of condemning it. It's saying when you condemn something, you do it because it's harmful to me and harmful to the things I believe in. So, what what are your thoughts on that?
1: Okay, that's an interesting question. Now, I think that even you would agree that there are some things beyond forgiveness. So, if to take, you know, not to compare this example to you, but just to take Mm -hmm. an extreme example as illustration. If Hitler came to you and said, you know, you were still alive, I realized I was mistaken killing all those millions of people. Uh, I've reformed. I'm doing good. Would you forgive him? No, I wouldn't. There are some things beyond the pale. There are some things that are so horrendous that there's no way to make up for it. Because I think forgiveness entails two has two aspects to it. One is at least two. One is you have to, to whatever extent possible, try to undo the harm that you did. So, um, if you um, harmed somebody, you robbed somebody. Sure and you realize, you know, I was really mistaken, I shouldn't have done that, you have to try to give him his money back or try to put him back as much as possible into a position that offsets the harm that you did, where it's possible. That's one aspect of forgiveness, one prerequisite of forgiveness. And the other, the more important one, is what you've been describing, that there has to be clear cut evidence that the person really has changed which means A, that he grasps what was wrong with his behavior in the past, and B, that he now engages in the opposite kind of behavior and does so convincingly and does so for a long time, not just for a week. So there has to be clear-cut evidence over a lengthy period of time that this person is really a different person. So I think if those two aspects are fulfilled, then I think, you know, I'm open to forgiveness. Again, with the proviso that there are certain things that are beyond forgiveness, that you you can't make amends for it, like Hitler could never make amends no. to the millions of people. It's just, he it couldn't. Uh, in your case, I think, again, I'm not comparing it to your case, but I think you can, and if you genuinely make amends to whatever extent is possible for the harm you caused, and there's clear evidence that you've changed and you're now a different person over a lengthy period of time, then yes, then I think then then forgiveness is appropriate.
0: I, I agree with everything you just said. And in the case of Hitler or somebody like that, I mean, it's, it's an extreme example, but it, because it illustrates the point perfectly the reason i don't forgive hitler no matter what he does is because i don't want to send anybody the message not a single person out there that no matter what you do i'll welcome you back at some point i need people to understand that there are certain things that you do that you'll never be welcome back and hitler is an example it's such a, a horrible thing with, with now as relates to amends this and i i agree when possible but here's my only qualifier, I would put to that. If Peter Swartz and, and Michael Liebowitz both go out and harm two separate people, Peter Swartz and Michael Leibowitz both do their absolute best to transform their lives, make up for the, for what they've done and, and try to make amends. Michael Liebowitz happened to have harmed a extreme Christian. Peter Swartz harmed someone with not a forgiving bone in his body. My guy forgives me based on his warped philosophy. Peter Schwartz guy never forgives him because of his warped philosophy, but objectively my behavior and yours are exactly the same. And I don't think that a, a forgiveness at a societal level, and what I mean by that is in the court system or you know, with going out for jobs and things of that nature, should be contingent solely on whether a particular victim forgives the perpetrator.
1: I think that's true. In fact, um, I would say that you could certainly imagine the following case. Uh, Somebody committed some atrocious act against somebody. Um, You can fill in the details yourself. And then reforms and fulfills the two requirements that I said, yet the victim, that particular victim will still not forgive the person. Maybe he feels there's no way to make it up to him. His life was changed irreparably. Maybe you you did something that you can't undo to him. You try, you do whatever you can, You, you, you make whatever effort is possible, but you just simply can't undo it. So he would not forgive you. I might, I might forgive you. I'd say, well, you did whatever you could. You're a different person now. I understand why the actual victim doesn't forgive you, but I do. So there's that. Uh, so it's true, it does not depend on the particular victim's forgiveness, depending upon his circumstances. You say, he's a Christian, he forgives you, that's meaningless. Um, but the, the, the important thing is, as I said, the two requirements that I mentioned that you, you fulfill, that you you do whatever is possible to make amends and you, 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 you provide objective evidence that your your behavior, and your, your your ideas have changed, then uh, I think you're um candidate for forgiveness, regardless of what the victim does or does not decide about you.
0: Okay, the last thing I wanna ask you is, I read something that you wrote recently about debating with a Robert F. Kennedy Jr. type, and you <laughs> talked about sanctioning the arbitrary, and I thought yes. you made a, a very good point. So I just would like you to state the point for my audience because I just thought it sure. was wonderful.
1: Yeah, th- this was an op-ed in the New York Times. It wasn't my article. It was an op-ed in the New York Times. Um, I forget who the author was, and it it was uh, discussing this author's dealings with uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. And, and as and maybe people don't know, Kennedy is is a, is is a coup. Uh, he. Um, denies the effectiveness of the COVID vaccine. He says the COVID vaccine kills people. He says cell phones cause cancer. The Wi-Fi causes cancer, all kinds of bizarre beliefs that are essentially arbitrary. In other words, there's, there's, there's no way for you to disprove my assertion that this person got cancer because he, he used a cell phone. I can offer you all the scientific evidence. And you will say, well, that doesn't cover this case. This guy, um, you know, uh, had a particularly strong exposure to um, the radio waves from Wi-Fi because he was in a certain location in northern New Jersey, which hasn't been tested by scientists. And they don't So in other words, any arbitrary means that any evidence you provide to somebody to refute a position is dismissed um, without any basis for refutation. Just saying, well, uh, you haven't, um, you have, you you give me scientific evidence that cell phones are, are perfectly safe, but you never did a study in this particular northeast corner of New Jersey. And then if you do the study in northeast New Jersey, he says, Well, you did it during the summer. It's different during the winter (laughs) and so so on. So these are arbitrary assertions which can't be refuted. And the arbitrary, as a philosophic principle, somebody who just makes an assertion without valid evidence just says, uh, I dreamt last night that the stock market is going to crash. You ought to sell your stocks. That's an arbitrary assertion. There's no point in trying to refute that. And if you do, here's the point to, to that the reason you raise this: if you do try to engage him in a discussion, you are only sanctioning his arbitrariness. You're sanctioning this uh, something that epistemologically deserves to be ignored, not to be argued with. In the same way that uh, you know a Hitler deserves to be ignored, or the uh, the Ayatollah in Iran deserves to be shunned and ostracized. A person maintaining the arbitrary does not deserve to be engaged in a debate.
0: Thank you very much. And I just want to say, eight months ago, maybe nine nine months ago now, when I was just getting out of prison, I would have been pretty far away from your position on sanction not in principle, just in the, in the practical applications, but I'll say this, the more I engage with people in the free world and the more I see how things go, the closer I get to being where you are. And so it's, it's a combination. I mean, I, I, I hear the arguments and I get the experience and I'm learning as I go. And, you know, well, sometimes on Facebook or when I was first on there, people would jump all over me and say, you know, with stuff like, and I'm just like, listen, I'm just getting out here. You know what I mean? You have to give, give me some time to learn for myself. I can't just take somebody's assertion, be, you know, because you say so I can't. Oh, well, this guy said so. So that means it must be right. I have to learn for myself and I, and I, and I'm learning. And I just want really, it was important for me to tell you how that I really am getting closer to where you are and i appreciate you coming on here and, and explaining your point of view to me it means a, a, a tremendous amount to me so thank you very much
1: that's good i, I the, the whole thing you know you're, you're 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 attracted to objectivism and the whole thing of objectivism is simply think for yourself that's all it is think for yourself and i admire the fact that you have apparently done a lot of thinking, independent thinking on your own. You've changed your course of life. So I respect you for that. And and uh, my best wishes to you.
0: Thank you so much. Now, is there anywhere that people can find you? Do you have a blog, a website, anything yeah, of that I have nature?
1: A, a, I have a a website which has a, 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 well, there's two places. I have a website which lists all of my writings and lectures and so forth. It's just, it's PeterTwhartz.com, P-E-T-E-R-S-C-H-W-A-R-T-Z.com. Uh, uh, they can go to the website and, and get a listing of o- all the material, and uh, the book that I've recently written, uh, you named it "In Defense of Selfishness." It's been reprinted under a different title. It's now called "The Tyranny of Need." Um, oh, okay. And that's also available at Amazon and everywhere else. So they can, and and particularly if they want to understand this issue of sanction as it applies to foreign policy that is how America should deal with other countries, they can read the last two chapters in that book, the new book, not the old book, the tyranny of need book. Let's see how it would apply.
0: Thank you very much for being here. For now, this is The Rational Egoist signing out. I'm Michael Leibowitz. Remember, like, share, comment, subscribe. Take care.